All right, here we go. Let's vibe. All right, everyone. So I want to thank you for returning back to Rose Youth Radio. Today, I have a guest who is in academics. And um, this is definitely about to be a good show when it comes to learning about the obstacles that he's experienced, learning about his new book, which is Deuce, A Second Chance at Life, which I've had a chance to halfway read at this time. But uh, I had to stop for about a good week because I was like, wow, I'm probably not the only one who experienced this. And definitely um, most of the choices that I made when I was in school or the things that I faced when I was in school were similar to his, but also there were some advantages and disadvantages. Um, the life work that I do today requires everything around academics, student success, uh, career management, all of the above. And I encountered a situation where I did not want anybody else to experience what I went through, and I'm sure other people were going through the same thing, possibly at the same time that I went through it in order to stay in college. So today I have a good friend from my community, um, my own backyard. I keep telling y'all, y'all glorifying these celebrities. I keep telling y'all, it's right here. See, it's right here. Go to Amazon and get it. It's right here. Capital Heights is in the building. So I'll ask him to introduce himself and then we'll get started from there. Oh man, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So again, my name is Dr. Anthony Bass. I grew up in Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, I currently teach at the University of Maryland College Park. Uh, I'm in the English department, but um, I recently trans transitioned into that role from um, leadership from the high school level. So, you know, um, I have experience from teaching ninth grade to 12th grade, then going to admin, you know, teaching in the trenches of D.C., the teaching in Potomac, Maryland. So now I'm at the University of Maryland, you know, and, and I feel like it's home. So, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. So the way we'll start off is basically let's hop right into this because this was the reason. And by the way, I gave away one of these books during Black History. Listen. I got a few more back there for you, too, if you want to give some more away. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I'll get them from you later. But gotcha. um, that was one thing that I did. I gave away uh, several books of people that were close to me and in my community during Black History Month. I sent those books to my job to get them in a box so they can land in somebody's hand because it can help somebody. So I'm sure somebody got this book out there. If you're listening to this podcast, if you picked it up, let us know and let us know what you thought about it. Thank you um, for that. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. So when I saw that you had the book, I had to hop all over it. Like that's one of the biggest things to me is to support my own, <laughs> to support my own community, because we all had a different journey after high school, whether it was, you know, a couple of years before or a couple of years after. Um the obstacles that we face, this is the reason why, you know, I have this platform, it's the reason why I have my mentor, because, you know, people need help. And they look to people like us as a solution, but then there are some people that look past us, and I know you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, I definitely got you, man. Look, I've been through it all. Uh, one thing I can say is that uh, writing this book was a bit of a journey, right? Like you said, it's kind of it's kind of tough to read and kind of tough to get into because a lot of times, like African American men, we don't deal with our trauma. Right. So when I was writing this book, it was times where I would just have to, you know, take a step away from my computer and just, you know, kind of, you know, cry a bit because at the end of the day, I talk about some times that I didn't necessarily want to relive, but I think that it's necessary for the students in which we encounter to read stories like this because they go through trauma that's similar or way worse than what I went through. But, you know, just just seeing that within my book, it's like you, you have a safe space where you can kind of connect and then learn from my experiences. Exactly. 
And I think something like this should be on every student's desk in the same county that we grew up in. Yeah. And even worldwide, because mm -hmm. this is going to show them that, you know, somebody that looks like you, somebody in your community went through the same thing. So, you know, this is a life experience. We all have a different, you know, outcome. But when they look at stuff like this, they can become more engaged. They can be more empowered, empowered by seeing someone that looks like them. And I yeah. don't know why this is not on every child's desk. In County. Man, listen, I'm, I'm trying to uh, reach out to my connections. Uh, you know, we graduated from the same high school and a lot of our administrators are now principals in Prince George's County. So um, I definitely plan on doing the leg work and reaching out to some of our old coaches and just, you know, connecting back to the county because it seems like we always find a way to support each other. So, uh, you know, I love Prince George's County. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, some of us are real Prince Georgians and some of us are not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we just going to call us spade a spade. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, you have people in certain positions of power and yeah, no, they, they get it from me all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I'm not rocking with that. You, you can say anything you want, but I'm not rocking. Uh, I definitely understand. I definitely get it, man. <laughs> so with the book, I think that if we had something like this mm -hmm. during the time that we were growing up, we could have had a totally different outcome. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because that was essentially part of the reason why I wrote the book. So um, I don't know if you know, but I got a doctorate in education, right? So I was teaching in, in Washington, D.C., and uh, what made me want to go back to school to get my doctorate was the fact that I was teaching AP classes, and uh, I was teaching AP English, right? And there were students in my class who were being successful, you know, applying to some of these Ivy League schools, but then there were students down the hall who were actually struggling to read and write, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, going back to school, I wanted to figure out, like, why was this the demographic or why was this a dynamic in the school that I taught? And I realized that a lot of our children are, I guess, getting pushed away from reading and writing or their interest is falling away from reading and writing because they don't have people who can tell the stories that they can connect with. There you go. So, so, so I kind of, you know, took that on my shoulders and said, hey, look, I'm going to make sure I graduate school and then I'm going to actually get back to my book. And essentially, this was supposed to be a book of short stories, right? Mm -hmm. This and this book of short stories was one big anthology of just things that I was thinking about because I just wanted to increase what kids were reading that looked like us, right? Right. But um, one of my one of my editors told me that, hey, I have a story that follows one specific character, and then I kind of tailored that uh, based on some of my lived experiences. Some of it is kind of you know fictional, where I added you know different names, and you know uh, I made sure to protect people's identity. But the majority of this story is a lived experience. And I found out that a lot of our students learn better based on experience and student discovery rather than saying, hey, you should learn this because I'm telling it to you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that was the problem that I had with school. It was like, you're telling me to do it, but you're not really showing me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the process of showing me, I'm not engaged. <laughs> so it's no different from today. <laughs> but, you know, that's funny because that shows you how important building these relationships are in school, right? You know, you and I, we have relationships with uh, individuals who are necessarily the best teachers, but they can connect with what we went through, you mm -hmm. know, because our school was considered the bad school, right? Right. But at the end of the day, we had so many programs to offer our students. Like, I graduated from the university high school program, mm -hmm. you know, but... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was forced by my mother, by the way. <laughs> Lord. I'm saying, like, students in our school, we connected with people who built relationships, and those relationships influenced us to hey, say, hey, look, this is what we need to do 
not only for us, but because I got somebody believing in me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think that a lot of it is <clears throat> I feel like school stops the creativity. Do you know how many students probably can write a book about their life, even though they're in school? Mm. Man, not even write a book. You know how many students who can create a video game? Oh, who can okay. create apps? Like, you know, we get so stuck into, oh, can you take this standardized test? But there's different ways to, to assess how much information a student has learned. Mm-hmm. We don't just got to stick a test in front of people, right? Right. A- allow people to use their hands, allow people to actually, you know, let their creativity flow. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can pretty much assess how well a student uh, engaged with a topic or received the content for the year. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I always say you have to connect the creativity to the classroom. You, you just yep. can't just throw anything out there. Like I've seen Bible packs of packets <laughs> that you just slide to students and I'm like... <laughs> It wasn't even that bad when we was in school. <laughs> I know, we right? I know. <laughs> Way we had those big old textbooks. <laughs> yeah, like these kids don't carry backpacks. They don't carry textbooks. You know, they just showing up. And then yeah. you just hand them a packet to do and to, to, you know, complete. And you wonder why they can't complete the packet because it's overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, it's funny because there's so much power in a pen, a physical pen and paper, right? That's why they tell you to, you know, write down your goals, right? If you see your goals consistently, you're more likely to achieve those goals, right? right? So, you know, just having a student keep a journal and taking their notes, they're indirectly learning because they have to copy down the information, right? Rather than take a picture of something on the the board that they're never going to refer back to. So I, I think that, you know, there are many different educational strategies that, you know, they're on the docket, right? But I don't think they're being implemented as frequently as they should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I believe the number one problem is, is that school is not changing to the way the world is. And, you know, school started so many years ago and we still have the same system over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But the problem I have is, if you have a business that has a product or several products and those products fail, then you create a change so you can increase the revenue. But absolutely, where's the school system increasing engagement, Man. test scores, all of that? Because everybody Listen. can't test well, and I didn't test well. I'm not <laughs> absolutely, I didn't test well at all. but a test doesn't necessarily determine how well a person can perform. Did you know that? Check this out. So I was doing a little bit of research, right? And um, did you know the way education has was formatted hasn't changed since the Industrial Revolution? Oh, yes. I, I talk about this all the time. Man, listen. We are not living in the old ages anymore. You have, you have one, no, fact, matter of fact, a couple of months, my niece <laughs> was scrolling through my iPad. <laughs> So you want to tell me she can scroll through the iPad and find anything she want on YouTube? Yes. My three-year-old daughter knows the difference between kids' YouTube and regular YouTube. Oh, wow. She's like, no, other YouTube. I'm like, huh? No, I'm not letting you get on the regular (laughs) YouTube. Not yet. But it's funny because going back to that whole ideology that, you know, our school system hasn't changed, COVID kind of pushed us into a necessary change. Right, with with, with online learning, right? But why did it have to take us to quarantine and us to be in isolation for us to be thrust into this education format? (laughs) You heard the pocket. Nobody was flowing. Revenue. I I get it. Revenue. I get it, but you have to learn different strategies. It can't just be the same way for a number of decades. Absolutely. Nothing stays the same. Even in life, we have we age every year. Mm-hmm. Nothing stays the same. We buy a brand new car. Yep. We don't keep the old car from 45 years ago. Yep. We go get yep. a new car. Absolutely. Technology you get a new changes. IPhone every year. You get a new iPhone every year. New Android. 
But then Listen. the other issue is that we can upgrade our life, but we can't upgrade our skills. Yep. And that's from any level. And that's why I teach from K through 12. People are like, I need mm-hmm. to reach these young kids. What do you mean? You're not Listen. talking to them. You're not allowing them to be creative. Critical thinking skills are critical at a young age because when they get older, yep. you know what they say? Oh, he's setting his way. Yeah, no. You oh, know, he or she got an attitude. Problem solving is critical thinking. Right. Social the school is a lot of people don't like to acknowledge that school and education is embedded in society. Like it's a social skill, right? At the end of the day, I feel like if you drop a 12th grader in uh, an environment, right? I feel like they will learn a lot from the individuals in which they connect with and use those skills in the classroom. Right. Exactly. So, you know, literacy is one of those things that I study, man. I love talking about it. I love, you know, seeing how well our students can um, increase their, I guess, development in literacy, because when they increase their development in literacy, they increase their learning potential, their earning potential. Right. And you know how to read your check. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. You know how to write a check. You know how to read your contract. Like you just know how to be mm-hmm. business savvy and take care of your business. So exactly, exactly. And the issues, especially around not writing cursive in school, that is one of the biggest things that kills me. And I've seen it. I work at HR. I've seen it. I'm like, who's signing? Uh, I'm looking at like a kindergarten with circles. Like, what is this? This is how you sign your offer letter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, so many, so many offer letters are being sent, you know, through email now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, no, I just think at least a, a person should know how to sign their name in cursive, right? That's just, I don't know. It's, it's one of those relics that they don't teach in, in school anymore. Yeah, and you should be well-versed in both. You should know how to... I mean, my thing is, if you're not learning how to write your name and print and in cursive in school, what else are you doing? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. They talk about this time, this thing called time on task, man. There are other countries that are decreasing the amount of hours that a kid spends in school, but their academic performance is steadily increasing. Mm-hmm. Right? You know... Why is that? <laughs> but because you know, they're they, building skills in other areas <laughs> that's going to help them with their life skills when they get yeah. older. But but you know what? I do want to kind of commend uh, some some portions of our education system. Like it's not all bad. Like um, right. a lot of a lot of this. Uh, how many do you all have? A lot of charter schools in, in Atlanta. I don't actually. I don't know because a lot of my uh, mentees go to public schools. Okay. So I don't know about well, charter schools like here. No, the only charter schools I know is like DC and Florida. Yeah, so DC has a lot of charter schools. I think New Orleans are all charter schools now, and uh, I think Atlanta does have. I know. I know Kip is in Atlanta, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of the charter schools, right? Essentially, charter schools are they can create their own specific curriculum, but in order to kind of receive that funding from the schools, they have to kind of adhere to some of those laws, right? And take some of those standardized exams. Some charter schools in DC follow a Montessori method, right? A lot of charter schools also include some of these programs that are hands-on. So you can kind of get into your own mode of educating your kids However, you still have to take the standardized exams. So, so there are, you know, I see some, some uh, glimpses of innovation in education, but I think that a lot of times this uh, new age or, you know, this evolved sense of education must be on the forefront for our next generation to kind of succeed. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. I just um, people always think that you know, <laughs> when you talk about education, you're saying it's it's bad overall. No, it's not. No, yeah, so, absolutely. A lot of it has to do with the foundation. You mm-hmm. still have to have a foundation in order to get through your education, and a lot of that is being lost. Like if you're taking out, you know, the computer skills, if you're taking out the cursive handwriting. So 
if you're out there somewhere, someone asks you to read a document and it's in cursive, how can you read it? Exactly, exactly. I, I do think that also skills in school should be catered to the next generations. Like, I think that should be a social media etiquette class, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, a social media, you know, brand building class, right? Right. Because I think that social media is one of those um, things that uh, are, can create generational wealth, mm-hmm. right? What about this whole thing about the metaverse, right? Why are there not classes on how to kind of establish yourself in this digital, I guess, platform, right? Right. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're in a time where we can actually push our educational leaders to kind of implement some of this stuff. So it can be interesting for our kids. That's the main thing. It needs to be interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and uh, I will say this, and I will always be on this page because it was the same way with my parents and, mm-hmm. and the rest of my family. If your parent isn't involved in your education, it's going to make a huge distraction for any child. Absolutely. And Absolutely. This is Teacher Appreciation Week. I didn't see Man, anything. definitely shout out to my, my teachers, man. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even call them teachers, even when I talk to them. My word is educator. You are educator. educator. Teaching mm-hmm. starts at home. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because that's discipline. That's learning to respect authority or any adult or as we yep. were told, elder. Yep, absolutely. In any position or role or any public environment that, you know, you knew how to act. But the way these classrooms going is a big issue. I see, man. Look, you're only in school for seven to eight hours a day. That's the minority of your day. You can't learn everything that you need to learn inside of a school building. It's impossible. Exactly. It's impossible. Exactly. That's right. That's why I explore the world. I wish I could be younger. <laughs> man, me too, man. Look, diversify your learning skills, man. Yeah. Look, my wife is Nigerian, man. And when we first started dating, she purchased me my first passport. Oh, and my. yeah, one of the first trips we went on to was Cancun. And let me tell you, you know, we, we come from Capitol Heights, right? Traveling in front, traveling outside of the country was so far fetched at that time. Man, I was so paranoid to go to Mexico, based on what I've heard. But when right. I went down there, you know, we hear about all those stereotypes, but they're not true, right? You got to kind of experience the culture, experience the food, you know, live a bit, and then that's how you kind of make your own determination from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's why my pop, my motto is empower, engage, and expose. You have to be exposed to different stuff. That's like awesome, that. man. That's awesome. So, nobody ever teaches us that, hey, you know, this is what this country looks like. This is what goes on in this culture. And yep, I think absolutely. a lot of that has changed really over the years when it comes to respect because we, raised, we were raised with a culture of mm-hmm. respecting authority and elders of any sort so when you have a kid cussing out a teacher and i'm not gonna lie i have mentees who have done this but when i talk to them and i be that village in their ear and i'm like look would you want somebody to disrespect your mother or your grandmother like that yeah yeah yeah. and then it clicks it changes their whole mind frame of oh no i wouldn't want that okay so why are you doing that to somebody else yeah, and then exactly. now you give them that feeling that we had of feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. We really didn't know what the feeling was <laughs> at a young age because we were taught to do it. Was just, yeah, exactly. It was just yeah. normal. Listen, it was normal. But for these kids, it's a whole different scenario. You <laughs> have to not coddle them, but you have to give them tough love. You got to tread lightly, yeah. Man, yeah. trauma will make you do some outrageous things, man. Mm-hmm. But you got to kind of recognize that this is a reaction from my trauma, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons actually why I wrote my book, because uh, one, of, one of the focus areas is a traumatic accident that I had in 2009. Right where I was walking across the street, 
you know, late night when I, you know, probably shouldn't have been <laughs> walking across the street, but I was struck by a car speeding. I was struck by a speeding car, and uh, I actually went through the windshield. So, um, writing for me, writing this story was a sort of, I guess, an answer to my trauma because since 2009, I published this book in 2021. Every year that that every anniversary in which this accident happened to me, I always go into sort of a depression, right? And I didn't know, like literally, I didn't know why I would feel bad. I didn't know why, you know, I, I didn't feel like my 100% of myself. But writing this book kind of let me share my experiences and say, hey, like, it's okay to kind of feel bad. Like, I, I literally almost died. Right. Like, it's okay to understand that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, and then yeah. I didn't even hear about that. And then that's when I was surprised when I saw the book and I heard, I was like, what? I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was actually living in Phoenix at the okay. time. Um, so, you know, I was very removed from home. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Because I was running away from a lot of things. You know how we do. We oh man! Don't want to yeah. think about everything back there. We live in a good yeah. life, and what we call the good life. Um. So you know, I had no idea, but I'm you know grateful, and by the grace of God, we're still here with us today. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That's but really the only reason why I'm here. I had a, car, a bad car accident once mm -hmm. before. And then also I had a slip and fall when I was really close to death and oh, wow. I got my toe amputated from the oh, slip wow. and fall with the lawnmower. So trust me, I know what that trauma is like every year. I know my anniversary date, July 16th yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> of every year. Man. And it just yeah. seems like either when that time is approaching or when it's mm -hmm. that day, you just take yourself back there. And it's natural. And yeah. you have to recognize that. Yeah, man. So, you know, uh, my my accident happened on June 20th, which was a week before my, it was literally a week before my 21st birthday. But wow. I, had, I had done an excessive amount of drinking because mm -hmm. of trauma, right? Because I wanted to kind of escape from something. Right, and right, right. come to find out that that day will kind of change my outlook on you know, a lot of things that I kind of associate myself with. It's kind of kind of mind boggling. Mm. But yeah, I definitely man. understand that. Yep. I definitely understand that. So um, going back to the book, I want to go to the part where I read and I had to pause for a week. Like, <laughs> okay, tell week. me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for all the parents out there, and I say this to my, my own mentee parents and anybody that I come across their path, because it is such a hard thing to do. One thing that was really hard for me recognizing from my mother was it was hard for her to let her kids go. Mm, yeah. And a lot of times you want to structure their life and tell them what they're going to do, where they're going to go, what they yeah. should work in. But you have to let them find their own journey, their own path. You know, you've done your part. You've yep. done, you know, what I call a phenomenal job because it is very hard to be a parent. My, I had both of my parents. A lot of people didn't have both of their parents. You had yours, mm -hmm. but some people didn't. And, Absolutely. you know, we would look at other people like, oh, well, you're, you have a single mom, but y'all are doing good. Well, yeah. we see in our eyes. But there's times where parents will shadow their kids from the world, which my parents did. We wasn't allowed to do certain things, go certain places. Of course, you know, in Capitol Heights, we all went where? <laughs> to the wreck. To the wreck. <laughs> the only place you can go to the wreck. Anything you can go. Unless they take you somewhere, no. They was to the wreck. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, when you get to, let's say, high school, Mm -hmm. And it's like junior and senior year. I think parents should allow themselves to let up from their child some to watch Absolutely. them navigate and see what choices they're going to make versus telling them what they're going to do. Like yeah. my mother <laughs> really pretty much guided 
my high school career and what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Because she was like, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to take trigonometry three and da da da. You're going to need this for college. I'm like, where do it? You just feel like you don't have a brain. Like, I don't know how to yeah, absolutely. explain it. And it's one of the biggest hindrances when you get into the real world and you start seeing things, you try to navigate your own way and you feel like you're just stuck mm-hmm. in your laws because there's a lot of skills that you have missed out on. Like, a lot. Yeah. You wouldn't think that it's, you know, major skills. It's minor skills that you missed out on. Yep. So, yep. for parents out there, I just say, you know, allow yourself to feel what you felt when you were growing up and how you were when you were 17, 18, 19, 20, and people telling, oh, you shouldn't be with this person, or oh, you shouldn't do this, or oh, you need to go to college. Like, everybody doesn't want that same path. And it's not going to work out that way. Prime example, I went to Delaware State. My mother did not want me to go away from home to go to school. That was the biggest issue. I fought. I cursed. (laughs) (laughs) At that time, I had to come out of character to, like, really go for what I wanted. Because I felt like if I didn't do it, it was going to be too late. Yep, Absolutely. And I had a mentee who had that same situation went to the same school. His mother forced him to go. He didn't want to go like mm, I did. She yeah, forced yeah. him to go. And he had already told her what he wanted to do. Absolutely. He wanted to go to the military. Mm-hmm. He already had it in his mind when he was in high school. He wanted to go to the military after he finished school. She wanted him to go to college. Yeah. What did he do when he went to college? What do you think he did? Probably. I wouldn't believe he went to the military. What do you think he did? I probably he probably joined ROTC and went to the military anyway. <laughs> he never went to class. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I can I can believe that. He went when he wanted to. He never turned in that one assignment. Professors were trying to help him. You know, you know how it is when you. I, yeah, I, I have kids <laughs> like I, I have students like that now. <laughs> yeah, it's like why? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not yeah. the right place for you. You're not engaged. You're not, you know, communicating with other students. You're not doing anything that's productive. So this is yeah. not something that's for you on your journey. So she ended up pulling him out, and she then wasted thousands wasted of dollars. Wasted money. Wasted the money, yeah. Loans and everything else. But he mm-hmm. had already told you. So now she's mad because he didn't finish college. Yeah. And she got to pay back the money. But you didn't listen to him. <laughs> yeah. So now he's in the military. Mm. Which he originally the, the plan, wanted. Plan A. Plan A, yeah. right? <laughs> right. He originally oh, wanted man. to go to the military. So you should have just listened, saved your money, and did what he wanted to do. It's, it's his life. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's an interesting story, man. Uh can I respond to that? Because I do have yeah, something to say. Go ahead. So uh, I think that's twofold, right? Like, one, I think that, you know, I, I'm not trying to give advice on what the parents should have done or what they should have done because everybody's situation is different, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going based off the facts that we know and, you know, giving our own perspective. So maybe that is a trauma response from the parent, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, they know what they went through. And they say, well, maybe I would have been better off if I did X, Y, and Z, right. right? So that's the kind, that's the path that I want my kid to live on. I, a parent is trying to live vicariously through their kid and make mm-hmm. the decisions that they didn't get the opportunity to go. make for them, right? That, that's number one. Number two is that, you know, maybe the parent didn't feel like their kid, they didn't have the confidence in their kid to say, hey, you're mature enough to make this decision, right? Uh, it's funny because my dad told me this, and I didn't believe it until I actually got older to talk to him about this, right? He mm-hmm. said, Anthony, I was in the 10th grade. He said, Anthony, you make good enough decisions that I can trust that you're going to make the right decision. You really don't have to ask me to do anything. Just let me know, and then the choice is yours, right? Mm-hmm. My dad having that confidence in me, I was able to kind of navigate and learn through my lived experiences, right? Mm-hmm. But if a parent doesn't have that confidence in their kid, they're not going to say, hey, I feel like you can make good decisions on your own. Right. 
Does that make sense? Oh, oh it definitely makes sense. <laughs> 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 and, and you know, you can go to college anytime. Like a lot of times, the military pays for college, right? Which will then set your kid up for, you know, wealth down the road. There you go. Yeah, it pays for itself. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to struggle with student debt. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of hoping Biden does this whole debt relief thing now. <laughs> yeah, they need to do something because I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Me like, too. I, I, did, I tried. I can't catch up. I've tried. Biden, I've mm-hmm. tried. We've all tried. I know, we right? We need a chance and a choice. <laughs> we need a chance. That's all we have. Oh, man. Let's cut out half. I'd be okay with half. Man, half. Half is half would be so much. So it'll be so much of a benefit, man. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can give <laughs> some money away to another country that's going through something in three days. I don't think that it's going to hurt us. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. But there was a portion um, in this book. Okay. That talked about your college decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Explain that to me because that was where I paused. Okay, great. So yeah, this is uh, uh, <laughs> this story is kind of it kind of hits home, right? So um, you know, I had an opportunity to go to HBCU, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got into I actually got into Delaware State, right? That was one of my options. Um, I got into Hampton. That was not like my top choice, right? And at the time, I didn't get into the University of Maryland. So um, we go down to this thing called high school day at Hampton University, right? And when I get down there, when I tell you, I felt like I was at home. Mm. I, I just, I, I, you know, I just felt like this is me, right? Right. So, so I get back home. I'm telling my parents how excited I am, and my parents saw how excited I was, and they saw it as a red flag, right? Instead of saying, "Hey, you know, Anthony, you're around your culture. You know, I, I feel like you can thrive here." It was no. I think that you're going to be influenced by the wrong choice, right? Or by the wrong decisions here. And that kind of made me feel upset because they based the decision off of past experiences for them, mm-hmm. but not necessarily what would be in the best interest for me. So right. my older brother was a, a student who went to you know HBCU in Oregon State. And um, again, he it, it, he was one of those students who he wanted to do his own thing. And going to college was more like a forced decision, right? So uh, he did his thing. He's actually really successful now. And I, you know, I kind of give him props for doing his thing. But my parents didn't want me to go to Hampton because they saw how excited I was. So uh, fast forward a few weeks, um, I get an opportunity to actually go to the University of Maryland through a six-week intensive program called Academic Achievements Program, right? And this was a program that if I didn't do well in this program, then I wouldn't be into school. Um, You know, I had to do well or I wouldn't be in college for the fall. So um, I had actually sent my money to Hampton to go because I wanted to go to summer school down there also, not necessarily for a program. I wanted to be down there, right? So my dad had kind of already told me, he said, well, you know, uh, I, my, your mother and I don't think that going to this school is, is a good decision for you because we don't think that you will make the right decisions. And I felt so hurt because, you know, um, having the opportunity to go to an HBCU now is probably one of the decisions that I kind of, not necessarily regret, but if I could attend or teach at an HBCU, I would definitely do it. Hey, you, right? will. <laughs> hey, you will. You will. It's a ride, So um, being stripped from that opportunity uh, kind of made me feel, you know, it, it kind of made me feel spiteful of even going to college. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I want to give props to the academic achievement programs because it was students that looked like us, 
that came from environments that we came from, from New Jersey, Baltimore, okay. you know, New York, and Prince right. George's County. So I, I felt at home in that community. Okay. So essentially, I kind of got the experience that I was looking for at the University of Maryland. And even now, I, I'm still really close with a lot of those uh, students who went in that cohort program with me. So um, it just was a mix of emotions. And at the end of the day, I actually feel like I made the, the right decision for me. And mm-hmm. uh, although that decision wasn't my decision, <laughs> I feel like it was, it turned out to be, you know, a great decision down the road. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and why do you think it was a greater decision down the road versus back then? Well, down the road, looking at, okay, so I don't think going to any school would have been a wrong decision, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it would just have provided me a different lived experience to continue on the path that I'm on now. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. So um, in the grand scheme of things, right, going to the, coming from Suitland, right, mm-hmm. 99.9% Black, right? That's all we deal with, Black students, Black teachers, Black everybody, right? And going to the University of Maryland, I wasn't in 99.9% Black classes. My first roommate was white. So getting thrust into a culture shock kind of made me realize that it's not so bad being outside of your comfort zone, right? And being out of my comfort zone actually allowed me to indirectly grow and, you know, learn from, you know, different cultures, different people. I actually had to step out of this, right? And even fast forward into me majoring in English, not a lot of Black men look like me in the English classes, right? So... That made me feel the sense of competitive nature to, hey, I need to do well. I have to do well. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, then somebody's experience with Black people may be, oh, hey, he lives up to the stereotype. And I didn't right. want to do that. Exactly. You know, exactly. so, you know, it kind of helped me in the grand scheme of things because, you know, I had to learn how to deal with different cultures and different types of people. But uh, standing in my truth, right, being, you know, authentically who I am. That's right. And getting a different, you know, diverse background of different cultures and people that you're yep. not used to being around. But there's some people who have that type of culture shock and they they go home. <laughs> I, I've seen it. Absolutely, I've seen it. absolutely, I've seen man. It. Look. So I commend you on driving through all of that. I'm sure that that was, you know, uh, a pretty big situation, yep. especially looking like or being an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I um I also joined a uh, black fraternity. Right, right. right. Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated helped me cope with some of the insecurities that I had. Okay. So I, I had frat brothers at Bowie State that I would go visit. You uh, know, although okay. it's not the HBCU experience, it's like, hey. I have my brotherhood who I can kind of lean on. And, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to let me beat me. You get what I mean? So I wasn't going to say, hey, you can't do this. I wasn't going to allow myself to believe that about me. So it's kind of like that internal battle where you have to win against you. Because if you don't, you're you're the loser. (laughs) So, so yeah, it, you know. And that's the most important part. I think a lot of people try to do certain things to make other people see that they can be great. But when you do it for you, you're doing it actually for you. You're making yourself feel better about it. And you're pushing Absolutely. yourself further than what you, you could ever imagine. Um, I remember when, um, you know, I was going to a predominantly white institution uh, in Arizona, it was, it was not really a culture shock for me, uh-huh. even though we grew up around majority of, you know, African Americans, because I have a cultural background, you know, with my own family from being yeah. overseas, you know, from being Middle Eastern to Caucasian or whatever have it. And 
I just enjoy people. Yeah, and absolutely. it was funny because a lot of times <laughs> they treated me better than my own people. To be yeah, <laughs> and that was the crazy part. I was sitting there like, okay, so you know, I'm waiting for somebody to you know be disrespectful or you know do something out of the ordinary, and it mm -hmm. just it never happened. But I will say I experienced racism in Arizona by um, an older white lady and she mm. called me the word with the ER on it. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just looking at her because I was like, lady, come on. <laughs> you was too old for this ignorant stuff here. Like, it, it didn't even faze me, but I was more shocked. Now, that was a shocker. I was like, really? That's what we going? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, your decision to go to Maryland, was it yours yeah. or your parents? Uh, it essentially was not my decision. Mm. It, 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 it was my decision, but it really wasn't my decision. Mm. And don't give away the details, but y'all need to go get the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm it's not. Because <laughs> I was just like, woo. I felt like you got oh, robbed. Man. I was like, yeah. Man. You man. Do this, but you did this. I was like, man. come on. <laughs> yeah, it was a shock to me too, man. Look, uh, I get it though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I just imagine you being ready to take on that next chapter of your life, and you knew that you were going here, and then it was like, yes, oh no, I yes. got this for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, it was funny because when I think back on that decision, I think that it was one of those things where the grass, they thought that the grass would be greener on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Like my my uh, my mom graduated from HBCU, my older brother went to a HBCU, uh, and I don't think neither of them had an opportunity to go to you know, a school like the University of Maryland, right? Mm -hmm. It was looked upon as, you know, the best school in, in, in Maryland at the oh, time. Oh, it is. Right? <laughs> you know, it so um, when I got into the University of Maryland, although it was through a secondary program, it was one of those things like, hey, you, you kind of got the golden egg. Like, you right. got the golden ticket. Like, why don't you want to take that golden ticket? But I felt like I had two golden tickets, right? right? And, uh, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I definitely don't regret it, but, right. um, you know, I, it, it is what it is, and I'm glad I had the experience to, to, to share it in, in the book, you know? Yeah. So. That's true. Um, and the thing about it, I actually was supposed to go to University <laughs> of Maryland when I graduated as well, but you know, um, the football coach, Coach Loxley, had left. And I think uh, he went to the yeah. University of Florida. And yeah, yeah, yeah. my high school coach, it was just, it was not a good <laughs> relationship. He was a lot more jealous of the things that my parents had. And I'm like, uh, you're projecting that on me. That's not mine. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you're trying to mess yeah. up my future, my career with this because you think I'm this individual. I'm spoiled. I'm like, sir, I'm not none of that. Yeah, so, nah. you know, I don't know why you're doing all this, but I was invited back for the uh, second summer camp after I finished the first one at University of Maryland, and then he didn't want me to stay. Uh, but I stayed. <laughs> they gave me a week for free. Who not going to yeah, stay? My mama made yeah. me stay. Oh, so, wow. you know, after that whole thing went down and then he transferred, that's when I had to, you know, look for another school last minute. Yeah. And um, I essentially went to a Christian college in uh, in North Carolina first. Oh, and okay. that's where I was out of place. And yeah, that yeah, was yeah. A shocker. <laughs> I went to uh, Shawan College in Murphy's. What is it, Murfreesboro, North Carolina? Uh, I went there for one semester, and then I transferred to Delaware State after I came home and sat for one semester. That was okay. The fight that me and my mother had, and it was it yeah. was time to go. Because I man. wasn't going to work for the rest of my life. <laughs> it was time to go. I definitely get that, man. I definitely but it's, get it. it's interesting. 
it's interesting the way life goes after school. And I try to teach my mentees that you need to make sure that you have this stuff ready in ninth grade. Yeah, so absolutely. once you get there, you won't have to do all the leg work and be running around mm-hmm. and be stressed out because you're going to need to take tests, SAT, yep. ACT, all of that. Yeah, and absolutely. that was another struggle. Yeah. Well, you know, the good thing is that a lot of these universities now are going to test optional, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's you know they're trying to adapt these educational policies where you're not so dependent on the standardized test, right? Mm-hmm. Now the difficult part is actually getting a ninth grade student to understand the value of what they're doing now is going to affect their life, right? But that's where mentoring come in. And that's yeah, where I work it, from K through 12. Listen, you're doing an amazing job, man. Look, uh, you know, it, it starts in the ninth grade or even before, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our kids should be able to learn about AP literature from a diverse set of authors, right? Now, The right. Great Gatsby is my favorite book, right? But I could learn about the 1920s from Toni Morrison, right? Mm-hmm. I could learn about you know, how, you know, characterization, all that through Ralph Ellison, which is Invisible Man, right? right? Which is also the most cited book on the AP Lit Test. But what we don't see is curriculum tailored for our students where they can see themselves within the information and stuff that they learn. There you go. And had I, and had, I had that type of help, I probably would have liked reading a lot more because I put reading to the side. Man, we had to write short novels and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna lie, I didn't read that book. I skimmed that book. <laughs> <laughs> I skimmed that book. And it's probably one of the reasons why I thought Toni Morrison was a man. And that's my opinion. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he has a nice uh, book. And it was like, what? I was like, Tony Morrison, like, you know, T-O-N-I. It was like, fool, Tony Morrison, I said, oh. Man, look, man, it's, and, and you know what? It's a whole bunch of authors out now where it can be curriculums that are solely based on black writers, and you'll mm-hmm. be able to learn and compete, you know, with these essays on even a greater scale. So, Right. You know, I, I think it's out here. It's just, you know, getting that knowledge to our kids so they can actually use it in their benefits. Oh, yeah. Or to oh, their yeah. benefit, I should say. Most definitely. All right. So we'll end it off with give me three things that can help a student better their attitude, confidence, and character in your definition. Attitude. Let me write this down. Attitude. <laughs> Confidence, confidence character. and one of our three core uh, engagements mm-hmm. when they come and learn in my mm-hmm. okay, called the ACCs. Okay, so one thing that they can do to you know build their attitude, right, mm-hmm. is just understand that they can control what they can control, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, if it's raining. Find a silver lining and raining, right? Mm-hmm. And smile about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Because having a positive attitude will, you know, make your day 10 times better than if you didn't have a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh another thing is in confidence, I would say, um, I was listening to a podcast and um they they stressed this this term called win the day, right? Mm-hmm. So start off your day with small wins, create a routine, stick to that. Because if you do that, you're indirectly accomplishing a goal. And right. when you accomplish a goal, you build confidence, right? Mm-hmm. So waking up in the morning, taking, you know, a, a, a read, read, read a paragraph or two, if that's a goal, that's perfect, right? Waking up, doing 25 push-ups, all right? Make a small goal that you can kind of accomplish and you start your day off building that confidence, right? Um, something to build character. Hmm. I, I said it earlier, man. Don't let you beat you, mm-hmm. right? So understand that, you know, 
nobody is out to get me. Nobody is out for me specifically to have a bad day, but it's dependent upon me to do what's right. Not because somebody's looking, not because, oh, you know, Johnny thinks it's right. It's because I think it's right. right? It's my moral character will set me aside, and that's what people will remember when I'm no longer in my current space. So, you know, don't let you beat you. So yeah. that's that's something that I would say to uh, kind of build character as well. That's it. So I like to get that definition from everybody because basically everybody's going to have their own spin on it. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's the basic rules of life. Yeah. You can't do yeah. anything with a bad attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. At all. And that starts it off from anything. If you do, you're just going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to end up in the same circle or the same situation over and over and over again. Yes, um, My mentees, like I got to tell them, think about it as you constantly get in trouble. Why is it always you? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Why is it always you? It's because you gave yourself that representation to your teachers. Absolutely. Or the staff. Absolutely. So what do you do to change that? You change your attitude. And I get them different tricks. I say, go to your teacher. What's been their ear? I'm sorry for what I did. You know, I'm a big <laughs> uh-huh. student. Can you yeah. help me? Yeah. And the teacher yeah. would just melt. I'm telling you. I, mm-hmm. They go from D's to A's. You'd be like, what? You got an A. <laughs> a. Man, <laughs> look. Contrary to popular belief, man, teachers do not hold grudges on kids. No, no. no, no. <laughs> so students, don't think that you, you got a grade because Miss Such and Such don't like you or Mr. Such and Such don't like you. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the truth. <laughs> I'm sure they got better things to do with their time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you for joining me tonight. Um, I am very excited to complete the rest of the book. I also have other books that I got in my collection. <laughs> Network, community, everything. Um, the, I definitely uh, feel you. Tell the people how to reach you on social media or anywhere you are so they can stay connected with you. Sure. So uh, first, I'll go ahead and tell you my website. I have a website. Uh, it's www.dranthonybats.com. Uh, there you'll be able to keep up with what I'm doing, my current engagements. Uh, I'm about to get into a public speaking space, so you'll be able to see some of my YouTube videos and you know some of the engagements that I do there. Uh, of course, uh, Instagram, which is dr. Uh, is it underscore or dot? I think it's dr. Dot. I think it's dot. Deuce underscore bats. Yeah. Uh, you know, Instagram is one of my best friends. So um, catch me on Instagram and Twitter is Professor P R O F underscore bats at on Twitter. So uh, Instagram, Twitter, and of course my website. All right, perfect. Um, so once again, thank you so much. Um, you know, I know our schedules have been colliding. <laughs> it's been Lord. It, it's it's tough. But it's definitely something that's, uh, you know, honorable when I do each one of these uh, podcasts for the shows. We have been growing on TikTok, you know, just out of this world. You wouldn't believe how engaged these kids are online. Man, I think I need to get on TikTok. Yeah, you need to get on TikTok. Get on TikTok (laughs) so we can go live and talk to these kids. Um, You have to have a thousand followers to be on TikTok, but just post. Okay. You get followers like that, like uh, okay. IG. I'm I'm sorry, IG just became the OG to social media. I, I, <laughs> like you just get like six hundred followers in a day. You like what? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let me let me let me check about that. Check yeah, it's that deep. So go ahead and do that, and that way we can you know correspond back and forth with each other. I'll follow you. I'll have other people follow you, other kids, but it's awesome. It, awesome. it gets to the point where they asking me for stuff. Like, what happened to my day? And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I you posted 10. You're supposed to carry me throughout the week. They want more. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. cool. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me figure that out. All right. And that's another thing we're doing for discipline and helping them read is to learn new words. 
that they normally wouldn't use. So they're middle school and high school words, no matter what level they're in. They okay. look at those words. That's how we building up their literacy. Got it. So once again, thank you again, sir. And I will talk to you soon and I will give you an update with this podcast in your email. Yes, indeed, man. Thanks All again. Right, have a good night. All right, too. Peace. All right.